James chapter 1. I would like to uh, let you know we finally have been successful in recording uh, the messages in the morning. Um, last week's messages uh, did get saved, and you can find it on a link through our uh, website and uh, calvaryfairhaven.org. And so you're welcome to go there. Lord willing, we'll, we'll keep up the one week does not a trend make, but we'll do our best. The human ear is a pretty amazing instrument, isn't it? It begins with that kind of funny-looking flap on the outside of your head, on both sides of your head, and it kind of scoops forward and brings the sound in the, in, inside your, your, uh, your skull. There, inside, the ear, inside your ear, is an eardrum that responds to sound waves that strike it by vibrating, those, uh, the eardrum then causes three very small bones, the hand, hammer, anvil, and stirrup, if you're a biology major or someone that's gone through high school biology anyhow, um, to change those sound waves into nerve impulses. And those then go along a nerve that go directly into our brain. And isn't it amazing that God could fashion something on either side of our head that that causes sound to go into our mind so that we could tell the difference between a bird and uh, between a songbird and a crow, between a bass drum and a trumpet, or between a, uh, a scream and a song, although some of those kind of, you know. God truly has made us, and we are fearfully and wonderfully made. But God gives us an ability that goes beyond mere hearing, between the auditory act. We refer to it as listening, and there is difference between listening and hearing, isn't there? And it's something, listening is something that is vastly greater, far more significant. Just as there is a difference between wisdom and knowledge, so is there a difference between hearing and listening. And though I can be sure that all of you this morning are hearing me, especially if Caleb didn't turn down the sound up there, which he didn't, um, I can be sure you'll hear me, but I am not sure how many will listen. I fear that not many or many will not listen, just as James ascribed in this passage who he refers to, beloved brethren. And he is pleading for them in the passage that we're going to consider this morning. Not merely for their ear, not merely that they'll hear, but that they will listen to the word that he is about to declare. Will you listen, not to a man, but will you listen to the word of God? Let's begin this morning by reading James chapter 1, starting at verse 18, and we considered verse 18 last week, and we're going to kind of just go back just a little bit, but then we're going to look at verses 19 through uh, 21. James chapter 1, verse 18. Of his own will begot he us with the word of truth, that we should be a kind of firstfruits of his creatures. 
Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. When Paul himself the, uh, wrote a ch- to the church at Thessalonica, he commended them for their listening in one of his letters. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13 says this, For this cause also thank we God without ceasing, because when you received the word of God, you heard, uh, that which you heard of us, you received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which is effectually worketh also in you that believe. Paul and James are addressing a similar point in James 1, 18 through 21, and in 1 Thessalonians. James is, in fact, directing his readers to listen. Now, portions of this verse I'm sure you've used in interpersonal communications. Be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to act, slow to anger. Slow to wrath. But specifically, what's the context? When you look here in James, James is referring to the Word of God. And it's not merely James' words, and it wasn't merely Paul's words. Whose words did he instruct them to listen to? God's words. John cites people's willingness... Uh, I'm sorry, um, James... Uh, uh, John cites people's willingness to listen um, as a sign of their redemption in 1 John chapter 4, verse 6. And, and here, James refers to those that he is calling to as beloved brethren. And Paul, when he referred, was speaking to people, he's speaking to the church at Thessalonica. These are not lost people. These are saved people. People much like you. And the admonition repeatedly throughout the New Testament is, Hear the word of God. Listen to the word of God. Allow your spiritual, your spiritual ears to receive it and respond to it. When, when God um, respond, uh, spoke from heaven, when Jesus was baptized, in Matthew chapter 17, verse 5, um, and he, he, God spoke twice, actually, once when he was baptized and once on the Mount of Transfiguration. The ESV transla- translates Matthew 17, 5 this way. This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. This morning, we are going to consider a, a, a passage and um, a message that I've titled, Listening That Leads to Joy. Because that is exactly what, what James has been commending us to. Commending us to heaven. And last week we saw this, uh, where he begins in verse 18. He says, of his own will begotten us. How? With the word of truth. How do, you, how do you receive a word? By listening. And what does it do? It was that word that was the means of bearing uh, of, of changing us and, 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 ca- and calling us to be the first fruits of his creature. And so this morning, 
I'd like to preach this message to you that I've titled, Listening That Leads to Joy. But before I do, let's open with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. That that the written word that sits in front of us, and Lord, that we are about to consider, are not the words of men, but as they are in truth, the very words of God. We thank you, Lord, that you will share them with us today. Through the manner that, Lord, your word sets forth by the power of your spirit. Lord, I pray that our ears would be prepared to receive those. Not simply to hear, but to listen to the voice of God. And and to the call that he places to us. Lord, incline our hearts towards you. Soften us and mold us and make us. And draw us to yourself. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. So the first point this morning. (sighs) Caleb's happy. All right. The first point I'd like to make this morning is the necessity of listening. Listening to the word of God is the means, as I said, is the means of new birth. Starting in verse 18, Jesus begins a transition. And this whole next section that we're about to consider in the book of James deals with the word of God and the importance of the word of God and the relationship of the word of God to those that would be wise, to those that would seek heaven, to those that would seek joy and perfection and satisfaction. If you are looking for heaven, if you're looking for those things, there's once, there is a source by which wisdom can come. Listening to our friends and our neighbors is not the way of wisdom. Listening to the gossip columns is not the way of wisdom or to the television or to any other secular source. God gives us his wisdom and it's inscripturated in a book. In verse 18, James began this transition by saying, your new birth begins by hearing the word. It is God's good gift. It is the means through which your salvation comes. In Romans chapter 10, verse 14, the Apostle Paul explains this point in a very similar way. You've heard this passage before. Paul says, How shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And he then answers, asks the next question. And how how shall they believe in him in whom they have not heard? And what's the answer to that? How will they believe in him in whom they have not heard? They won't. And then finally, and how shall they hear without a preacher? How important is hearing the word of God to new life? There may be people that have, there are people in this world that have never heard the gospel message. How will they believe on the Lord Jesus Christ? They won't unless we carry that word to them. How important is missions? How important is the preaching and the declaration of the word of God? It's vitally important. Auditory communication is God's primary way of communicating his message. Not only is listening to the word of God the means of new birth, but listening to the word involves thinking God's thoughts after him. 
It's the Apostle John in John chapter 1 that refers to Jesus as the Word. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. What is a word? Think about that for a moment. It is, it is the expression of one person's mind, vocalized and passed to another person. You know, we have the internet today, and we have wires and wireless communications, and, and we are able to communicate information all that way. The way that God communicates from his mind, from his, from his thoughts, from his desires to you is through his Son, the Word of God. Jesus' life, his words, his works declare who God the Father is. He defines goodness and truth and beauty. He is the definition and example of wisdom that he communicates through, through, through his, his written word. In exhorting us to see wisdom, James has been compelling us to think God's thoughts after him. And how can we do that unless we know the Lord Jesus Christ? First, that we are born by him, but then that we learn from his, from his life and from his teaching and from his example, that we think like he thinks. He calls us to act like he acts, to speak and to, to behave as he spoke and behaved. He is our perfect example in all things. Do you want to know the path of wisdom? Look to Jesus Christ. He was perfectly wise in all things. Think Christ's thoughts. Act in, according to Christ's actions. James doesn't only hear in this beginning of this, uh, this in verse 19. He abruptly changes, and, he, and the King James translates it as wherefore, but other translations render it this way, as know this. It's not simply a, a, a uh, conclusion type of thought. He is commanding us. He's saying, I need you to know this. Be, be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. Hearing is an auditory thing. But here, he's not just commanding for you to hear. He's commanding for you to know, to listen, to engage your minds in what you're hearing. It's not a suggestion. He's not just stating, um, you know, it'd be nice, guys, if you'd listen to what I'm saying. No, it's a command. And it's key to, to, to his entire message. Because he is about to impress the importance of the word of God. And how, how is that word to be received? It's to be received by listening. Not only is it commanded by James, but it's also commanded by Jesus. Um, as Jesus, uh, throughout the New Testament, the Bible says much about listening. In Luke chapter 8, verse 21, the Lord said this, And he answered and said unto them, My mother and my brother are these which hear the word of God and do it. How are we related to the word of God? What distinguishes someone that is related to God? It is their ability or their willingness to hear his word and to do it, to perform it. In Matthew chapter 3, verse 16, he said, 
Blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. Hearing and seeing spiritually is a characteristic of God's blessing. Blessing is is being rightly related to God. He exhorts um, listening as an action for all, uh, uh, as an action of his hearer's will. In Mark 4, 9, he says, And he said unto them, He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. What did he mean by that? Do you have ears to hear? Well, yeah, last I checked. He's talking about your spiritual ears. Do you have spiritual ears to hear what God has for you and demands of you and calls you to? Let's consider for a moment, secondly, the nature of listening. Here we have those three, um, really it's a proverb where the Lord uh, outlines uh, the, the, uh, the nature of listening. Be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. It's likely that many of us, as I said earlier, have heard these characteristics govern interpersonal communications, but here it's clear that, that, that James is specifically addressing how we respond to the word of God. It's not merely how we should run a meeting. It's not uh, something equivalent to Robert's rules of order. He's, speci- he, he's addressing how we, as Christians, respond to the word of God. He's going to address outward behavior, swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath, but really he's addressing a heart issue. Why is it that we wouldn't be swift to hear. It's because our heart inclines us otherwise. Why would it be that we would be quick to speak? Again, it's a heart issue. It's not merely a physical issue. Have you ever met someone that you can get about three words out and then they're talking over top of you? What is that person communicating besides the fact that they're rude? They're communicating that what you're saying is not important. And what they have to say is much more important than what what you have to say. And when someone becomes angry at what you've said, what what are they communicating? I not only don't want to listen to you, what you're saying makes me, it it violates me. I I am opposed to that. How do we respond to God's word? He says, first, be swift to hear. Swift hearing means we readily hear, we willingly hear. We're desirous to hear. As I um, read in our opening this morning of the young Samuel, and he said, speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. Is that your attitude towards God's word? Oh, Lord, I just want to know more. I just want to hear what you have to say to me. And I want to take it into my life, and I want to do it, and I want to live it. Is that your spirit? That's what's being called for here. You know, sometimes there's things that are hard to hear. In John 6, Jesus uh, had been preaching and teaching, and he, he told the people that um, you need to eat my flesh, and you need to drink my blood. 
And in John 6, verse 60, it says, Many therefore of his disciples, when they had heard this, said, This is a hard saying. Who can hear it? Now, we understand that what Jesus was saying was culturally very sensitive to the Jews. They didn't eat flesh uh, or drink blood. And it was especially disgusting for them, even though it's disgusting for everyone. But we understand that Jesus was speaking of his own death, burial, and resurrection and their necessity of these people to affiliate themselves and associate themselves with it. Nonetheless, the message that he was communicating was difficult for them to hear. And sometimes we still have hard messages to hear. There are many in our day that do not like the fact that the Bible condemns homosexuality. For many, that's a very difficult thing to hear. But there's others that are difficult. For some, the subject of submission. Perhaps that's hard. That the Bible teaches that a a wife should submit to her husband. Perhaps that's the thing that you chafe at. Or perhaps, husbands, you don't recognize or you chafe at the fact that the Bible tells you that you need to love your wives as Christ loved the church. Oh, I love her. I buy her a heart of candy at Valentine's Day. Isn't that what that means? Oh, brother. God tells church members to not forsake their assembling together. God tells us to, uh, uh, to be given to work and to submit to the bosses and to the managers and to the authorities that he's placed over us. Sometimes, how do you respond, for instance, to uh, the name of our governor or to the name of our president? Does that cause your hair to stand up on the back of your neck and for you to bristle? What about calls for modesty or meekness or to turn the other cheek or self-denial? What about calls to evangelize or what about calls? There are many things that God calls us to that maybe we've heard many times, but are we listening? And how can we tell if we're listening? Are we obeying? There's hindrances to hearing. I mentioned the, the one uh, for the Jew. He was prejudiced against having consuming blood, uh, understand, understandably so. Perhaps there's a prejudice in your life. One thing I think that hinder, hinders our hearing today is interference. Someone that I was, I listened to a message this week and he put it this way. He said, we are bombarded with intellectual spam. The message that needs to get through needs to get priority. One person noted that um, one, one edition of the New York Times has more information in it than Jonathan Edwards would have faced in his entire 18th century life. We have so much news and so much information. It just encumbers us. It distracts us. It takes our eyes off of what's truly important. The Word of God. The Word of God is just one little part in a whole bowl full of information that we need to really say that's what's important. Not all this other things. Perhaps familiarity has 
bred contempt with you. As the manna that God supplied to the Israelites bred, so too you've heard the word so many times, you've hardened your heart a little bit each time, and over time, you know, now it just runs off like water on a duck's back. You don't even have to consider it anymore. You know how you're going to reject it. You've rejected it that time, that way a hundred times. Perhaps you're weary. You come to church and, yes, you, you, you've heard it preached, but you're, you know, this is the first time you've gotten to sit down all week. Remember Eutychus. And, yes, Paul preached late, and as this young man sat in the window, he fell asleep and he tumbled out. You need to prepare yourself for the Lord's day. I intentionally go as far as I possibly can to not plan events on Saturday night for a purpose because the Word of God gets preeminence here. You need to get to bed early on Saturday night. My daughter Emily called me last night. We talked for a little while, and she said, Oh, I've got to go write a paper. I'm like, Emily, you need to get to bed. That's more important. And she's like, Dad, it's school. I'm like, Yeah, but Emily, it's church. You need to prepare yourself and prepare yourself to receive the word. And that might mean turning off the television earlier Saturday night and getting everyone to bed and maybe getting out everyone's clothes and preparing. Some people are not able, their capacity is not, um, uh, uh, they're, they're not capable of receiving certain words Throughout the, the, um, the Apostle Paul would say, you're only able to have milk. You're not able to eat and, and consume strong meat. And, and he condemned many of his listeners for that because by the time in their spiritual growth, they should have been able to. We need to spend time reading God's word and building our capacity. It's just like physical exercise. The more, the more you do it, the better you get. The more you, you consider it and work through it, the stronger and the more capable you are at understanding it and applying it. So yes, there are hindrances, and we need to contend against those. But the Bible warns those who will not hear. One pastor I heard preach this passage made an especially astute observation, which was one that the opposite of hearing in the New Testament is probably hardening. In John 12, Jesus concluded this, Therefore they could not believe because that Isaiah had said, He that blinded their eyes and hardened their heart, that they should not see with their eyes and understand with their heart and be converted, and I should heal them. Romans chapter 2 speaks about people who have hardened their heart. If you are going to be quick to hear, you need to work work to remove all the hindrances, but most of all, you need to work to prepare your heart, to break up that hardened ground, to soften it and make it, ready to receive the seed when it's sown, that the seed might put down deep roots. If there's sin in your life, if you've hardened and built calluses on your heart, it's like wax in your ears. 
You'll not be able to hear. It'll be just like Charlie Brown's teacher. Wah, 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 wah. Will you not hear the word of God clearly? If God is directing you to do something, you need to rise up today. You need to hear that word and respond to it. Quickly. Hear it quickly. Secondly, it tells us to be slow to speak. This I'll go through more quickly. (laughs) Speaking reflects our defensive response to the word of God. James would tell us to be slow. You know, many times, I'm sure, before the word even is completed, we have our, our response already laid out. Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And again, I want you to consider your heart on this. When we fail to receive the word and and instead we respond dismissively or defensively, we are doing two things. We are diminishing the worth of the word. And secondly, we're exalting our own opinions and our own self. How often are you guilty of responding before the message is complete? How often are you guilty of wondering how the pot roast is doing at home instead of considering what the word is is bearing upon you? How quick are you to brush demands aside and be close uh, that? that what's being called for is closed-minded and legalistic and puritanical and only someone's a personal interpretation? How quick are we to convince ourselves that our situation is different? He just doesn't understand. Do you come with your spiritual shields high, prepared to defend and deflect any possible attack? James tells us that we need to be slow to speak, deliberate, consider it, that we need to have a measured response. Yes, it is a response. It is not no response. He doesn't say you need to be silent. He, need, he says you need to be slow to speak. The messages aren't chosen when I share them by accident. They are God's word for you. God has prepared this time and this place with all the situations and circumstances that the word might be exactly the word you need to hear. You need to come asking yourself, why was that word for me? What demands does it place upon me? You need to take the notes that I encourage you to to write. That's why I spend time putting these up on the screen so that you will write them down and go home and consider what those demands are in your life. Look up the verses that I share. Some I know I read quickly, but they are for, your, for you to consider. Be a Berean. Search things out and see if they're so. Ask yourself questions. Meditate on the word of God. Discuss the message and the text with your wife or with your children. Discuss them with other people. Discuss it with other people in the church. Come and speak with me. Send me an email. Call me on the phone. The focus of all of our times and our life need to be the word. Sunday morning message isn't something, isn't merely an event. It is something that should change and and redirect our lives. We need to consider it. And then we need to respond deliberately and measuredly to it. 
Finally, the Lord calls us to be slow to wrath. Wrath reflects our sinful response of a man's heart towards the word of God when he utterly rejects it. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 10 says, Only by pride cometh contention, but with the well-advised is wisdom. There are two things that provoke anger. Pride and principle. And far too often we disguise and, and attempt to disguise our pride as principle. Jonathan Edwards, perhaps the greatest theologian that America had ever known, and one of the greatest preachers preaching one of the greatest sermons that was ever preached, he was thrown out of his own church by being ever so audacious as to suggest that only people that had placed saving faith in Jesus Christ could be members. He was also thrown out because he had taken a stand to uh, to condemn immoral activities that were becoming culturally accepted in his society. Because he wouldn't stop preaching the word, people became angry, and they responded with wrath. Paul, in Galatians chapter 4, verse 16, he said, Am I therefore become your enemy because I tell you the truth? James calls for us to control our emotions, to keep them in subjection subjection, and to be slow to wrath. Our emotions are a a powerful thing. They're not to be totally annihilated but they are to be directed in a positive way versus as is is, uh, 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 rejected here, being quick to wrath. Why are we to act that way? Why are we to be quick to to, uh, hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath? The rationale for listening is this. James says, For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. James states this in a negative way. Essentially what he's saying is, when you counteract the direction that you've been commanded for listening, and you you respond with wrath, you can be sure that your response doesn't fulfill your obligation to God. When you refute and reject the, the message, when you stand opposed to the word of God, when you close your ears to it, when you stop listening, be assured you are not a righteous person. Galatians 5.19 says, Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, enmity, strife, jealousy, wrath. He says, he continues on and he says, As I have also told you in times past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. I've chosen, rather than defining uh, the third point negatively, here the rationale for listening is that it does produce the righteousness of God. Do you want to be a righteous person? Do you want to fulfill your obligations to God? It comes by listening to the word of God. Not by rejecting it. Not by coming angry to it. Not by putting your shields up. Not by letting it run off your back. But by softening your heart. 
very quickly and finally. Number four, I'd like you to consider the response to listening. Verse 21 says, Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness. What a great word. And receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your soul. Listen to the word. Respond wisely. And it has a direct impact on how you behave. Here the apostle has two things. And I'm going to just very quickly summarize. By listening to the word of God, it will cause you to put off certain things. Put off filthiness. Put off corruption. Lay aside like you're taking off a coat. Like you're taking off an old garment. Taking off moral decay and defilement and corruption and vulgarity. Take off rampant wickedness. That's what superfluity of naughtiness. Rampant wickedness. Take off all that old man. Put it away. That's what the word of God will, will press you to do. And then he says, put on. Put on Christ. Put on his thinking. Put on his actions. Put on his behavior. Not simply because you are following a recipe, but because the word of God has changed you from the inside out. Receive the, the roots deeply into the soil of your heart. Do it meekly and humbly without pride and arrogance and self-exaltation. Do so gently. Ephesians 4, the Apostle Paul says that you put off concerning the former conversation. That's the former lifestyle. Put off the old man which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. How are you renewed in the spirit of your mind? By listening to the word of God. And that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness. And true holiness. Separated from the world. Separated unto God. In Matthew chapter 23, Jesus stood looking over Jerusalem. Much as James stood looking over his congr- the people, he wrote, and much as I stand this morning. And Jesus said this, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou killedst the prophets and stonest them which, uh, which are sent unto thee. How often would I have gathered thy children together, even as a hen gathereth her chickens under her wings, and ye would not. God sent prophets to the nation of Israel to declare his word to them and they closed their ears and it says they would not how many times did God send a word to the people and the people spurned that word did they manifest their wrath towards the word and ultimately their wrath towards the very son of God who came and lived the word before them to the point where their wrath was poured out on him and they killed him. They put him on the cross. What are we doing when we reject the word? We are putting Christ on the cross. We're killing him. We're rejecting him. 
How many times have you sat in a pew and heard the word and recognized that the Holy Spirit was bringing conviction into your heart and you said, not today. I won't listen. I won't change. I know that behavior is sinful, but I'm not going to turn. I'm not going to confess. Oh, maybe I'll do a little better in the future. Half-hearted, apathetic, lukewarm Christianity. God says he'll spew from his mouth. Beloved brethren, hear the word this morning. Hear it. Give it full consideration. Permit your defensive shields to be relaxed and allow the word to do the work in your heart. Don't respond dismissively or angrily. Respond meekly and gently and humbly and obediently. Agree with God. And the promise is here. He will save our souls. He will be saving our souls. And one day, our souls will perfectly be saved as we stand in his presence and we are like him. I'm telling you the path of salvation, the path of wisdom, the path to glory, the path to heaven, of perfect fulfillment and of joy. It comes by listening to what God says to you. Will you hear and respond? You know, I haven't mentioned specific sins this morning, but perhaps there's something specific, specific sin in your life, brother or sister in Christ. And right now the Spirit is just emblazing it before your eyes. You know that thing is wrong. The Bible says if, you, if you'll confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Perhaps there's something you're doing that you shouldn't be doing. Turn from that thing. Repent. But perhaps there's something that you should be doing that you're not. I pray that today you will turn to the Lord, that you'll hear his word, and that you'll listen and respond to that. God's word is a supernatural power. It alone is able to change you from a sinful, selfish wretch to the image of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Will you open your spiritual ears to it today? Listening will bring you perfect joy. Let's close in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for the word of God. It is not the words of men. It is in truth the very words of God that bear such authority. Lord, we don't gather together here today to hear a man's words, but God's words. Lord, open our ears. Help us, Lord, to hear what you you would have us hear and do, Lord, what you would have us do. Help us to be quick to hear, desirous, fervent, passionate. Help us to, Lord, be slow to speak. Lord, allow our defenses to, to be relaxed as we receive your word. Help us, Lord, to consider it deliberately, what it says and what it, what it calls for us to do. And Lord, help us to be slow to wrath. Lord, to not reject what you've called us to do, but to accept it and to desire it above all else. It alone is the path of joy. And I pray, Lord, it is the path that each that are here today will seek. Perhaps there's one that's never received Christ as their Savior, though they recognize that they're a sinful person. 
Lord, they've never recognized that you died for their sins, were buried and rose again. Lord, today their ears are completely stopped to any message besides the fact of the call of salvation. Lord, we know that if they will confess with their mouth and believe in their heart that God will save their souls. Lord, for the brother or sister in Christ struggling with a sin, Lord, I pray that they will confess it and forsake it and turn from it and have victory over it by the power of your Spirit. And Lord, for those that have heard the call of service and Lord, have, have, have failed to obey, whether it's to speak with their loved one about Christ, to invite a friend or a neighbor to church or to share the gospel with them. Lord, I pray that their, their sin of omission will be one that they confess and repent of and receive your word today. Lord, guide and work in our hearts for your own glory. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. If you would turn